I posted something on Facebook that's actually a modification of what a colleague wrote. Um, and I, I said in that text something to the effect of, you know, I've, I've responded to a lot of text messages like, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, and we ask people, how are you today? I'm fine, I'm okay. But, you know, I was, I was wrong. I'm not okay. We should not be okay with this, the violence that has been inflicted upon the East Lansing community. Um, I'm safe in my home, you know, at this moment. Um, but I think the process is going to be long and it's going to be a grieving process and healing journey. Um, and I think as, as I consider like what the Michigan State University campus needs, um, and, you know, there's lots of this happening in lots of places, but can we create some kind of shared connection and responsibility for building the kind of community that doesn't seek a violent solution to solving problems, like mm. at the individual level, at the collective level? Hello, and welcome to Student Affairs Now. I'm your host, Keith Edwards. Today, we're doing something different. We're going to be discussing how student affairs professionals navigate the aftermath of tragedy. Rather than hosting a panel of experts, as we often do, we're going to get personal and talk amongst ourselves. Heather Shea is here to share a bit about her experience navigating the aftermath of tragedy on her campus at Michigan State. And we'll also hear from Glenn, Rochelle, Mamta, and me about how we're trying to support our colleague and friend. We hope to leverage this particular experience of Michigan State and Heather's experience to help all of us learn how we might navigate tragedies on our campuses and support our colleagues on campus and from afar with students, with your colleagues, and more. We hope you never need this episode, but if you do, we hope this is helpful. Student Affairs Now is the premier podcast and online learning community for thousands of us who work in, alongside, or adjacent to the field of higher education and student affairs. We release new episodes every week on Wednesdays. Find details about this episode or browse our archives at studentaffairsnow.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Simplicity, a true partner. Simplicity supports all aspects of student life with technology platforms that empower institutions to make data-driven decisions. And this episode is brought to you by Stylus. Visit styluspub.com and use the promo code SANOW for 30% off and free shipping. As many of you who are regular listeners know, I'm your host, Keith Edwards. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm a speaker, consultant, and coach, and you can find out more about me at keithedwards.com. I'm broadcasting from Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the intersections of the ancestral homelands of the Dakota and the Ojibwe peoples. We usually begin our conversations with introductions of our guests, but for regular listeners, you know the folks who are here and you'll hear from them. For those of you who are not regular listeners and maybe have connected with this episode in a different way, you're welcome to find all of our information at studentaffairsnow.com. We hope this is helpful. So let's just begin with the human. Heather, how are you doing today? Uh, first, just huge gratitude to my colleagues who, um, who agreed to join in this really difficult conversation, but also to provide the support starting, starting at the very beginning. Um, you know, we lost three students, we lost three Spartans to 
what seemed like at this point in time, a senseless and random act of gun violence. We have five more students in the hospital. Um, last night, uh, even though a lot of our students have left campus in droves, um, mm -hmm. last night, thousands of people, students, faculty, staff, and community members gathered for a vigil um, on our campus. And we heard from our governor, um, our interim president, even our our basketball coach mm -hmm. <laughs> showed up. And just for context, um, folks, we're recording this on, on Thursday, the February 16th, just so folks know yeah. wherever you're listening. Yeah, about three days, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's been. So uh, my main takeaway from that event is, you know, Spartan Nation is strong. Um, it is a connected and caring community. Um, how am I? You know, I think somewhat I'm going through the motions, right? I'm trying to keep myself busy. I'm trying to do all the things, right? Yeah. What are what do students need? What staff the listening sessions that our um, division has set up? You know, sending resources, gathering information from my colleagues across the country. You know, checking in on my students who I work most closely with. Um, but I'm also like really paying attention to how this feeling that I can't do enough right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of disassociating from my own emotional reaction is, you know, one of the things that we, that we talk about, right. As a trauma exposure response, right. Mm -hmm. I've been reading my, my book, trauma stewardship. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I go to the resources, right. Versus like sitting in it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm also just really angry. I'm really sad and I'm really angry. Um, I was one of the staff who was called in to be at the family reunification center. And I got home Tuesday morning at 3 a.m. Um, Tuesday morning, I sobbed on the phone to my partner in Ann Arbor. Um, he wasn't there in person, um, but he was expressed an incredible amount of care and concern and said, you have to go call your therapist and get an appointment. Mm -hmm. um, he came up that night, it was Valentine's Day, so we were already planning on spending um, the evening together. Um, he also encouraged me to reach out to my best friend, Kathy Adams-Reister, who's the AVP at IU. Um, and both of those conversations were just like, so what I needed, right? So like, how am I today? I'm, I'm, better than I was yesterday. And I'm certainly better than I was the day before. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of stop there. I'm sure I can go on and on. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. uh, I've been spending a lot of time sitting in that moment of I, I know that this is common. And that is making me really, really sad. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we talked about this, we don't want to make this uh, episode about Heather and we right. don't want to make it about <laughs> Michigan State, um, but we want to use this experience and leverage it to to learn and grow. And so I want to I'm going to bring in uh, the other folks who are here. Um, and uh, just want to share um you know, you have a particular role on a particular campus. Um, 
Other people have different roles. Other people are working directly with students. Others are in counseling centers. Other are macro administrators, leveraging and planning events and dealing with media. And we're all different humans having different experiences, um, different emotions, different connections, tapping into our, our own personal experiences in different ways. And we just need different things. So, um, but I think you sharing what your experience is just um, helpful and, and maybe normalizing for others. Um, I'm wondering what, um, if you want to kind of begin us, lead us off and others can jump in. Um, we want to talk a little bit about crisis response in the aftermath of, of tragedies like this. We want to talk about helping students and we want to talk about helping the helpers and helping colleagues. So um, what have you been learning um, yeah. that maybe other folks might benefit from should they ever, ever need to through this experience so far? Um, I like to kick it off. It's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. Um, definitely not the the episode I was hoping to record this morning. Um, but I think, Keith, what you said about different people having different roles and having different responsibilities, when when a crisis or a situation like this happens, all those roles, all those responsibilities, the, the priorities that maybe people have in their in their day jobs needs to go to the wayside. It's all hands on deck, all essential departments that could contribute skill sets, knowledge, information, resources need to change that their purpose for the day, for the, for the week, for however long it takes to ensure that we are providing support to um, the students and the staff, the faculty, who have to address this crisis. Because I think the reality is that we can do all the preparation in the world um, and we can train people, but we are in a working environment where there's constant turnovers, there's new professionals, people don't have a lot of experience in dealing with crises. How people respond in the moment becomes critical. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, it becomes really important that the leadership of a university needs to make sure that structures are in place, but more importantly, contingencies are in place in, in, because there's going to be interdependencies amongst people and resources and people are going to need a break. People are going to need uh, the, the trauma that comes from just responding in the moment is, is, is um, critical. And that's just from a structural perspective. I haven't even gotten to the student perspective <laughs> yeah. to create support for the students who are going to be going through this traumatic event, not only for in the moment, but for the rest of their lives. I'll pause there because I want to hear from colleagues to just make this really organic. Well, Glenn, you're reminding me, um, some of these students who were told to run, hide, and fight uh, wasn't their first time having that experience, yeah. right? They've done this in high school. They've done it in other situations. And so what does that bring up for them in so many different ways? And, and some students were at Oakland, mm -hmm. which just experienced a school shooting, you know, less than a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's the other heartbreaking part is that this is becoming way too normalized in our in our society. I think. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it's interesting. I keep thinking too. When I first started um, working, I was at Colorado State for I mean, that felt like mm. eons ago, right? And I was working in a in the Asian American Center, um, Asian Pacific American Student Service Center, and um, Columbine hit. And that was my first foray in, in, and the students in Columbine, many of them came to Colorado State. Mm -hmm. 
It was the mm -hmm. largest feeder high school at Colorado State. Yeah, it was, yeah. and to see that, and to have conversations with students who experienced that had a really huge impact, even just how I look at risk and how I look at um, um, how we support students who are going through that, because it it it, it impacted students for years, years. You know, it's so hard to listen to this. I want to begin by saying hello to everybody. I also want to talk about the, the introduction that this isn't about Heather and this isn't about Michigan State. And I want to disagree. It's all about Heather and it's all about Michigan State and it's all about Columbine and it's all about Colorado mm -hmm. and it's all about and Buffalo. Buffalo. And it's all about, mm -hmm. You know, um, this is so incredibly um, personal. You know, and um, and it's and it has to be because that's where it starts. That's where it is for our students. That's where it is for our faculty and staff on these campuses, and that's where it is nationally. You know, I keep you know people um, on campuses. We're always walking that line between the personal and the political and the mm -hmm. appropriate and the professional. I say, as mm -hmm. long as we love guns more than we love people, and we prove that, especially when those babies were killed in um in, in Connecticut you know right and so you're like we that's the decision that we've made and so we will continue to face this um on campuses and I was thinking that I was I think I was in Iowa at the time I know I was connected uh, my partner was living there and I think it may have been when I was working there where that was I think the first campus shooting where a mm -hmm. student shot faculty and administrators and then, so this continues and it makes me crazy and we don't know how to deal with it. And so we deal with the immediate aftermath in those mm -hmm. ways that both Heather and Glenn were just talking about, right? But then we say, okay, it's got to get back to normal, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we say, so students walk into class and faculty start teaching. I'm like, and so we have to send out letters and say, you can't just start teaching. You've got yeah. to acknowledge what has happened, even if it's a week later, even if it's depending on when we can get back to the campus. We've got to acknowledge that we've got to be able to say, how are you? Because mm -hmm. those students are walking in with that. That faculty is walking in with that. So our situation that happened in Buffalo, not even a year ago, mm -hmm. it hasn't even been a year where someone came to Buffalo specifically to kill Black people. It was from a small town in New York, didn't have enough. So we had to drive to Buffalo, find a place where Black people would be, and then start killing. So how do you come back to class as a student and say, this is how, you know, mm -hmm. um, how, how am I supposed to start focusing on statistics, mm -hmm. right? So that we have to recognize it's not just in that moment. It's in this, all this aftermath, giving people the place and the time to talk. I think that yeah. brings up a really interesting challenge and, and Heather and I talked about this yesterday and uh, Michigan State has canceled classes until tomorrow and I'm not here to second guess that decision in any way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a downside to not having class, not having places where people come to gather, mm -hmm. where people come to have an adult in the room to be connected. Uh, there's, you know, not everybody <laughs> handles that well. Some people jump in, we go back to normal. Um, but I think that's an interesting complexity to consider about um, how to navigate um, community, how to navigate connection, what structure 
does having a class period in a particular location or virtually bring and and what good can that do and as you're pointing to if we just ignore the reality in the room it can it can do harm mm -hmm. um Monta, let's get you in here what are you what is present with you oh well so much um and uh i just agree with the collective um heather this can be about you and about <laughs> spartan community so um and i think it's important um and so i guess you know keith you you talked about what's present with me what's present with me is we all need to be present with one another mm -hmm. um and figure out what that looks like so as i was thinking about the you know the reflections that we've uh, all shared already i think about you know we're part of this grand ecosystem right our societal ecosystem of which uh I don't, you know, I, I might have individual contributions to how I can address some of my uh, uh, beliefs around where and how guns should be used and where they should be and who should have access to those things. And I don't have agency in in that conversation, right, uh, or, or those decisions. Um, and yet, uh, as members of campus communities, we have agency of certain conversations, but we're part of this large ecosystem. So if there's one part of our ecosystem that is essentially causing harm or decisions on the ecosystem that's causing harm to the part of the ecosystem that we are a part of, how do we do, like, you know, how do we do our best and how do we be present and, and be loving with one another in that? Um, and just as I hear y'all reflect, I just, I, I just go back to, I, I feel really, uh, as the young people say, basic. Whenever I say this, but while this is while we're talking about an immediate reflection to supporting students and our communities, now we have to change how we show up every day because our everybody. I'm going to focus on our young people and our children. Um, that's my bias. Um, they they are socialized to live in a world where hmm. this could happen to them at any moment in time, mm -hmm. right? And so now when I think about processes like academic advising or, or the conduct yeah. process or whatever, um, our campus ethoses need to be 100% loving. I wanna know where love is in the strategic plan of every decision that we make because the one thing that we have control over is how we love our students and how we love our community mm -hmm. and nothing else matters. So mm -hmm. then the, the decision around canceling classes, it, you know, Keith, right. I think you were brilliant to see, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a messy decision, right? Mm -hmm. um, and all yeah. were imperfect. So we, mm -hmm. it, it may or may not be what people need, right. but it's better than pretending something's not happening, right? Yeah. Uh, or hasn't happened. And at the same time, um, where do we prepare, uh, and not just first responding colleagues, whether it's public safety or student affairs, mm -hmm. uh, educators, you know, our facilities colleagues, and so many people that kind of sit in, you know, health services, emergency response, those colleagues are, how do we live and lead in a culture where faculty, staff, students, anybody who's prepared to create healing spaces mm -hmm. is given agency to do so. Mm -hmm. How do we put that in, you know, in HR infrastructure, how do you facilitate a grief-based conversation that can't, I mean, that needs to be informed by and guided by our, you know, mental health professionals and experts on trauma, trauma-based care and response. However, I think we 
all have the ability to become stewards of those meaningful conversations. And so I think in those ways, I'm not excited that I, that that's a toolkit that I mm-hmm. want to strengthen, but it's a toolkit that I need to strengthen. And I think, you know, um, you know, something that, that Glenn said was so powerful, yet yeah, all hands on deck and that, you know, I'm not on a campus anymore, but when I was on a campus, that was a thing. You, you hear something happens and then we all knew we were a hundred percent of the staff where we're going to get mm-hmm. together. But now what would that look like if it's not just student affairs? What would that look like if, you know, like really is the processing of invoices so important? Like Mm -hmm. let's have our finance colleagues, like whomever, whatever, like we should become cultures of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just want to, I just want to add, like, I think that was the first ask that I had um, of the community and uh, Dre Domain, ACPA president. Right. I have a direct line to her because of my role. And I sent her a text message. I was on a Zoom call the nine o'clock the next morning, um, pulling together listening sessions. Right. So these are not counseling. We had counseling also, but like spaces and places where students can come together in community um, and be heard. Right. Um, and I was like, there's got to be resources out there that somebody has developed for a situation like this. And Dre sent me this like multi-page document before I got off of the Zoom call and was able to forward that to folks. It's been adapted and posted on our website, shared across campus. Um, Glenn got my text, responded, I'll send you stuff when I get to the office forwarded to me like a whole bunch of UC Berkeley research. Like I have this like compendium of, you know, documents and, and details that, and, and this is, this is the student affairs community, right? Like it's mm-hmm. people across the country, um, you know, starting at nine 30 that night, reaching out to me, like my phone just, my phone just exploded from people on other campuses who are, who are here for us. Um, and I just, I just want to say, I think that that's, that's part of the bigger conversation for me is that it's not, it's not if, but when, and then how do we equip folks to be, as Mamta, you were saying, in those conversations in present, um, you know, what do you need to be able to facilitate a listening session? Mm-hmm. You know, what do, do you need to have, you know, a degree in counseling? If, if there's a student who needs that, we need to be able to identify and refer, right? But like, what are the things that students need in that moment? Often they just need somebody to, to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I took my dog to the vigil last night. I should post a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and students just came up. First of all, she was a little bit, she's not a trained therapy dog. Um, so she was a little bit anxious. Um, but I had a couple of students come up and I'd be like, how are you doing? And then we were able to have a good conversation. It was just, um, it was just really valuable, I think, to be able to be present in that moment with those students as they're having just experienced this. I feel, you know, as I hear you reflect, and I, I'm sorry, this is probably going to be the thing that I harp on in our conversation today over and over again, which is you don't need professional development to, to deliver affection. Mm-hmm. we all have an abundance of affection within us. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about the diversity of the ways that we show up in the world is that my brand of affection and any one of ours, it's, it's all going to be different. And so there's going to be a type of affection delivery 
that is relevant and necessary for our students, for our colleagues um, across the board. So let's do that, right? And 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 I think that um, and I am really uncomfortable with what I'm about to say next. So I just need to own that. Mm-hmm. Um, I need uh, as a as a former uh, senior administrator in student affairs. My wish and hope and prayer is that other cabinet level colleagues, you know, inclusive of, you know, VPs of development, provost, et cetera, all all the things, um, and the president recognize that this role does not sit on the student affairs organization to provide Mm. affection, or student affairs organization only, Mm -hmm. right? And so how we activate around being a culture of affection and love sits directly the way that 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 culture um, permeates mm-hmm. um, sits with the president sits with mm-hmm. trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I just I guess that's that's what I would offer is that we leverage especially our privileged identities in this particular case mm-hmm. to be affectionate. Yeah, and I love that your the reminder of just our human capacity beyond our skill set, beyond our training, beyond our degrees, beyond our certifications, right? Just our human capacity. And I think some people do not feel equipped. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think Rochelle mentioned a statistics professor might just, mm-hmm. not, I just don't know what to do. I want to, I don't know what to do. And, and maybe your reminder just helps them not overthink it and be human. But then other folks uh, may not feel equipped because they're overwhelmed of what it brings yeah. up and evokes for them, yeah. right? And I just, yeah. I, you know, I know I have a job, but I can't be effective in doing that. And I might do harm. And I, this is bringing up whatever yes. Uh, yes. for so many people. And um, I think we have to remember that because I think it's so easy to say, well, <clears throat> Heather, you have a particular role on campus. And so you need to go da, 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 da. Well, Heather's mm-hmm. also a human who mm-hmm. may or may not feel prepared or equipped or capable. Heather's also a human with different skill sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last mm-hmm. person in that job probably would have been more effective or less effective at doing different things. So mm-hmm. how do we really think about not just the role in the job, but um, the humans yeah. that are in them? I want to go back to what Heather mentioned, um, you know, being barraged <laughs> by love and support and connection and empathy and shared experience from colleagues far beyond Michigan State is wonderful. And you mentioned to me, hearing from some colleagues, some of who are on the screen right now, right away and immediately and sharing resources. And, and I I didn't, uh, instantly was thinking of you, but also not wanting to intrude. How do I be supportive? How do I love Heather without being another thing she has to tend to? And I'm not saying I'm wrong and others are right or, or vice versa, but just, um, the complexities of that. I wonder, yeah. just just as a N of one, Heather, um, when when colleagues see something like this happen, what would you want to say as sort of guide about what would be helpful, what you needed, and and recognizing yeah. other people might feel see it differently. You know, to be honest, that little iPhone heart thing that you can attach to every <laughs> message. <laughs> so you know, I see you, I, you know, I appreciate you sending me this note. Um, you know, several folks, folks did a, you don't have to respond right now, but I yeah. just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. Um, 
other folks, like I just got a text message as they're sitting here from a colleague checking in on you. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I mean, I, I think I am definitely a person who looks, um, looks for con- connection and moments of shared positivity, resonance, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that love that, um, that we talk about. I also think, you know, the amount of people who I consider family, you know, mm-hmm. in ACPA, in student affairs, um, you know, that's what, that's what we, that's what we do is we show that. So I really, I deeply appreciated it. Keith, I didn't mm-hmm. even, I was so bombarded. I didn't even track. How come I haven't heard yet from Keith? No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not, no, 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 uh, no worries at all. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. one of the people who has not reached out to me, it's totally fine. Um, but I tell you, like, I, um, you know, I also recognize like Facebook has not been a really healthy place mm-hmm. for me for a while. Um, and so I, I recognized going back onto Facebook and seeing outreach from folks, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, another whole place that I hadn't really engaged in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my cat, Sammy, who <laughs> sends to, mm-hmm. tends to like join every time I'm talking, comes in, hangs out on my lap. So mm-hmm. right. yeah, I, I, I love it. Your voice that mm-hmm. says, okay, she needs yeah. me for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, love love, love. I have a couple of scattered thoughts um, to your question, Keith, about um, community, uh, you know, when, when I, I found out about the, um, the situation in Michigan, watching the news late at night. And the first thing that popped in my mind was just to send a quick text, just to mm-hmm. let Heather know I'm thinking about her. And then, you know, but what's really interesting is that I've been going through a lot of personal and you all know this, I've been going through a lot yeah. of trauma in, in my life with, with my, just my extended family and whatnot. And just getting a communication um, for me personally was just reassuring, knowing that I was part of a larger fabric of a, of a community. And I think that when when we think about um, resources and we think about what we do, right, um, we can have all the information. We can we feel like we can have all the information. We can feel like we've 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 uh, planned for this type of scenario and whatnot. But that human connection still needs to happen because we need to be able to just know that there are people out there who are willing to help. And I think about um, my own experience working at UC Berkeley, where we do have lots of situations that emerge all the time. And the relationship that um, I have not only with, um, you know, my fellow colleagues at Berkeley and the, the departments, but also extended outside of UC Berkeley, I think that's a that comes with just being in the field for a while and that comes with just developing relationships for a while. But I remember when, when uh, like COVID, when COVID situation emerged, right? It was easy for me to, to, to contact our UC, um, I felt like UC Santa Cruz, my, my colleagues over there, UC mm-hmm. just asking questions. Or in one case, we were even looking for rooms, right? Like who, who would think that you can contact another institution for that type of support and help? But that is what it means to be part of a larger student affairs community if you if you happen to have those connections. Um, I think the other piece, and I want to go back to something Rochelle said earlier, and I'll, I'll pause here, was just in the aftermath. Um, 
uh, of, of the situation. Um, we are responding in real time. And, and I think student affairs, we've always just been like, we, well, we react. We, we situationally react to situations. We'll try, we'll solve it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll try to, to do this. We have enough data. We've done enough episodes, y'all, right? We know that, mm. we know that um, mental health issues, mental health concerns, crises yeah. are rising. We have the data we, and we need to make sure that we're investing more money, more resources into ensuring that staff are prepared. But the dilemma is if we know that this is happening the minute students are popping onto campus, what is happening before they get to campus? Yeah. Right? Where is the... Um, uh, you know, and we can't, I guess we can, we can lobby, we can do what we need to do, we can volunteer, we can say what we need to say before, uh, on, on what we feel needs to happen before they get to college. But once they get to college, I'm in residential life. I've got first year students, first year transfers, first year students living, and I see what they're going through. And so it it is what keeps me up at night. It is, it is like the thing that drives me, like ensuring that we have all the the, the protocols and the strategies in place, knowing full well that even if we have that, we still are going to be, it's going to be a chaotic response mm -hmm. because of the fact that we don't know who, when, where, or what's going to happen. And I think that's where leaning on the community, leaning on each other, getting support from other, getting contact by other people is so critical. Mm -hmm. Well, and folks sharing resources and uh, tactical support and scripts and guides is great, but also uh, love and connection and uh, someone not in it can be really helpful. I, I do want to move us to to wrapping up. Uh, I want to just kind of get a final thought from, from each of you. Um, Rochelle, what do you want to share with us as we move to concluding? Well, I'm not sure if I have a final thought. I have a, a couple. We're a faculty member. Wanna, we know. We understand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? So I, I there's a couple of things I want to say, and one is about reaching out. And I think that there's a there's an important tool that we can use, and that is, it's not about me, and mm -hmm. that's about me sending. And so letting them know I'm thinking about them, but not expecting them to share information or to have the time to deal with me. Right. You know, I can find that information out other places. All I want you to know is that I'm thinking about you and to not put any pressure to respond, not put any pressure to answer my questions or anything like that. And I think that's crucial. I want to also circle back to one other thing that we talked about, and that was um, the, the sort of skill set they have, the being human, the, the sharing right. ourselves and our love with others. And I just want to point out, that we need to do this in ways that are authentically us. If you yes. are that person that doesn't deal with emotions really well, but you're a faculty member and you have your students coming in and you know to the class and you could say, I was wondering if we could take just five minutes to sit quietly and allow us to mm -hmm. think about what we've done, what we've just experienced, and what will help us be here together. So now I don't have to think about what's the right thing to say or what if a student pours out all this emotion and I don't deal with emotion really well. I just need to be me and to allow space and then to figure out how to have the other. And so I think that those are some important things for us to keep in mind that I don't have to jump into super um, 
emotive mode when that's not my style. It's not me, I'm all over the place. I'm all emotion. <laughs> or, but somebody else who isn't to give people the room to be authentically them and not to have expectations about how they handle it, but that they do something. Mm -hmm. Glenn, what do you want to offer us here? Uh, I really liked what uh, Rochelle just shared. That was really good. Um, I'm going to come at it from a try. I'm going to try to come at it from a different angle. Um, my, I'm thinking about the frequency that this is happening across our country. And I think about the preparedness of our student affairs professionals, not only at the leadership level or those who are experienced, but our newest professionals. Mm -hmm. And so to the leaders, to the decision makers, to the department heads, Make sure you're reviewing your pro processes and protocols. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have a plan. Make sure you you have the understanding that that people, when a situation like this happens, it may not be your trained staff who are going to be responding with you. They might be a civilian, a, a non-affiliate, someone who's volunteering their time just because, mm -hmm. right? I think about, I mean, it's an this was an active shooter situation. We have earthquakes, tornadoes. All right, we're just going through yeah. a um, and we need to be prepared and you need to have resources just at the tip of your fingers, not only that you possess, but other people, other people need to have that information so it can be shared in the moment. That's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. Malta. So um, I think you put us in order because we <laughs> in an interesting order that, that like, I'm just like, yes, Rochelle, yes, Glenn. Um, and and I think where, where I want to connect into the conversation is to say, um, I completely agree, right? As I think about, again, being the person who was responsible for protocols and processes, mm -hmm. having those in place, um, because it's all just going to, I mean, at least it's a loose infrastructure when you actually can't think that clearly when you're in the moment. Um, and the other part that I would say is, and I, I'm not excited again to say this, but I mm -hmm. think that there is a preparation that we need to have around understanding our coping strategies. So this is the kind of professional development we could do with our teams because- these things are inevitable. So um, if I'm stewarding an organization, where am I creating space to talk about when tough things happen and when when you experience trauma in your life, what are your typical coping strategies or how would you want people to know? Like as you know, it's to build that sense of, of interconnectedness within and among our teams to show that we do, and I hope that we do care about the individuals who work, who we work with for and alongside. Um, so, so that, that from from an administrative uh, care based leadership infrastructure, that's what I would offer. Um, and then the the other thing, and we we touched upon briefly, but I, I also think this is something that we could strengthen, which is this notion of our our interconnectedness um, outside of even the parameters of our institutions. So, um, what does it mean to have an active relationship with spiritual leaders in the community? What does it mean to have an active relationship with local community groups? What does it mean, um, to, you know, to have those active, uh, meaningful relationships? Because sometimes if we don't have that capacity because we are in it institutionally, we can draw upon um, and remind ourselves that we're part of a community that's bigger um, than us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our campuses are going to be that for others in the community, right? It's not just campus incidents, but we're yeah. going to be there for things that happen uh, in other places. I have, Heather, sorry. how do you want to 
I was go ahead, Mark. One more thing. The importance of secondary traumatic stress. I, I just mm. can't underscore that enough because mm -hmm. what we're going to see is that, and so we see people reacting to things that don't seem like that's what the issue is, right? Like yeah. just recognizing that, so that's continual because this life is continual in the way that we're having to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to recommend to folks uh, just briefly trauma stewardship. We did an interview with Laura Vander Lipsky, really helpful, how to help the helpers, um, both uh, individually and organizationally and, and structurally. Heather, how would you like to wrap us up today? Um, yeah, I just, I want to echo everything that you all have, have said and that also just express my gratitude. I I posted something on Facebook that's actually a modification of what a colleague wrote. Um, and I, I said in that text, something to the effect of, you know, I've, I've responded to a lot of text messages. Like I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, and we ask people, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm okay. But you know, I was, I was wrong. I'm not okay. We should not be okay with this. The violence that has been inflicted upon the East Lansing community um, I'm safe in my home, you know, at this moment. Um, but I think the process is going to be long and it's going to be a grieving process and healing journey. Um, and I think as, as I consider like what the Me Michigan state university campus needs, um, and you know, there's lots of this happening in lots of places, but can we create some kind of shared connection and responsibility for building the kind of community that doesn't seek a violent solution to solving problems like mm -hmm. at the individual level at the collective level um yeah that's i think my biggest hope i've been i've been thinking a lot about hope mm -hmm. um i've been writing my speech for acpa and uh i was thinking back to the um to one of the first student affairs books that i that i read in 19, I think it was published in 1998. So there, that, that gives everybody an indication of how old I am. Um, when Hope and Fear Collide, y'all mm -hmm. remember that book by Art Levine? Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jeanette Curtin. And I just, I think about this, like what, how, what would it be to live inside hope? Mm -hmm. um, live inside the feeling of hope. And so while that book has, you know, probably not as much relevance today because it's really about my generation of college students, the, those who went to school in the 90s, I think about our students today and how much of them are coming with hope versus how much of them are coming with fear. And can we build the kinds of campus communities that foster hope? Mm -hmm. um, I love and appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your time and for your support for Michigan State's campus, for me as a human, um, I am so grateful. We love you, Heather. Go green. And then you Go love. Right. Mm -hmm. um, well, I get to transfer us to sponsorships now. So thank you all so much <laughs> for your love, your sharing, your uh, vulnerability, your honesty, your wisdom, uh, all of that. And uh, and thanks to our sponsors who honestly make conversations like this possible, make it uh, possible for us to offer this free, no charge to anyone who wants to listen or watch anytime. So thank you to Simplicity and Stylus. Simplicity is the global leader in student services technology platforms with state-of-the-art technology. 
that empowers institutions to make data-driven decisions specific to their goals. A true partner to the institution, Simplicity supports all aspects of student life, including but not limited to career services and development, student conduct and well-being, student success, and accessibility services. To learn more, visit simplicity.com or connect with them on social media. And Stylus is proud to be the sponsor for Student Affairs Now. Browse their student affairs, diversity, and professional development titles at styluspub.com. Use promo code SANOW for 30% off all books plus free shipping. You can also find them on social media. Uh, thanks to Nat. As always, please connect with us in other ways. We hope this uh, conversation is something that you will never need. And if you do, we hope it is useful and uh, will continue to make a difference in the lives of students and our colleagues and our communities well beyond our campuses. And uh, that gives me hope for the good work that you all will do. Thank you all very much. Make it a great week.